0: have a seat you guys kind of linger again we're not just like having background music to kind of get all feely um, the idea is is that we transition to a moment of prayer is like we want the battle to continue right we fight through song we fight to believe in Jesus right amidst our doubts and brokenness amidst uh, determining to be grumpy uh, whatever it might be for you Um, but in this time of prayer, we're just continuing that. It's not a break. Our prayers accomplish things. We don't just pray to just do things, religious things. It's junk. It's junk. Don't do things just to kind of feel good about yourself religiously. Boo. (laughs) We don't want that. We're actually doing something, and we'll see from the text even in a little bit how we're actually accomplishing things through our prayers, through our testimonies. Um, We're going to war. And so I just, I don't want us to stop as if we're doing something different. Let the music continue. And if you want to go into a final little bridge or something, fine. Um, But let's take this time as we've been worshiping to continue that worship through testimony Uh, enter prayer. So I've asked uh, Larry to come. These guys were doing some canvassing this past week and just kind of give a testimony, a word on that, Uh, but specifically then praying for City Reach around the corner here. Love those folks. Some of us went to a service this past week over at at City Reach, and it was a blessing. Hang out with brothers. Just to reiterate, there is one bride. Jesus has one bride. And guess what? As a church, we don't have everything correct. And if you think you do, you're probably off. And you're going to get in the way of Jesus actually having his one bride. He has one bride. And so we love the churches in this area. We support them. We, we want to do things with them. Why? Because in glory, we're going to stand with them as one bride uh, before Jesus. All right. So on, however you want to do it. Dan, you want to go first? or? since
1: I put you on the spot, might as well. <laughs> uh, dear Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus and that precious blood the Lord, first of all, thanking you for the wonderful opportunity we have to gather in your house this morning. Uh, we want to pray now and uh, tell a little bit about the, um, the canvassing, the uh, saturation that we partnered up with uh, City Reach this past week. I'll tell you, for those that, Took part in this. It was a real moving experience to um, to knock on people's doors and to just tell them about the Lord and Jesus and how He cares so much for them, and to see some respond. Um, we're thankful. We have a new couple here this morning that we talked to this past week, and uh, there's so many people that just need to hear that he cares and that we also care as neighbors, as uh, fellow brothers and sisters of Jesus. Um, So that was a real amazing experience. Um, It was touching. There was different folks that when we asked them if we could pray for them, how they were touched by just the kindness of Jesus that was flowing through our lives and we could share that with them and to see some, some people, there's just one woman, she just had tears coming down her cheeks because she was touched, that we would pray for her sister that is going through a sickness right now. Um, that was a real moving experience for me personally and, uh, It made me want to do it more, because just the people on my block, I do talk to them, and I ask them to come to church and different things, but there's many blocks. Not just my block, there's, I was truly amazed at all the people that we encountered in that short period of time. One day was an hour and a half, one day was an hour, and to see that all these people are just so close to us, but yet we don't really tell them about the wonderful saving chance that they have to come to know the Lord. Um, so we're uh, thankful for that. Um, we also wanna pray for our VBS this week. Uh, Father, as the group comes in tonight, that you would prepare us, uh, prepare them, because, they, boy, they know what they're getting into. Um, would you also help us to make them feel at home, comfortable? As best we can, um, help us all to be kind and loving to, to, towards them um, and let our light shine because that's what we're learning and growing towards every single day. Um, give those people the, uh, the strength, the wisdom, um, and the patience deal with uh, just having fun and and it can be a challenge with younger children at that particular age that we're seeking after. Um, Help them that they might be able to do this in a way that would honor and glorify you. Um, Help the church to be comfortable for them. uh, Help the weather to be nice. Help us to have good food, good fellowship, and uh, bring out the children most of all most of all most importantly these children that just need someone to show them that they're cared and loved for father would you bring those children out would you open up the fleshy tables of their hearts that we can uh that you can through the group building 28 and through our church that uh we can plant something on that heart and that it would go forth and bear fruit. Um, so we uh, thank you for all these things in advance, Lord Jesus. Amen.
2: I guess just just a couple words about our outreach experiences this week. Um, you know, coming Coming in background from a couple different churches, I know, like, sort of the evangelism part of it, you know, we would actually go to a class for evangelism, then we'd go out. And most people went to the evangelism class and they got so tired from the class they didn't do any evangelism. So this is, um, this is something that we really need. Like this, you know, the Bible tells us very specific about this is not something that um, you do you know, you, most church, this is our big program. We're going to do this for a week or two, and then we're done for the year. This is an ongoing thing. It should be done um, constantly by the church. So I'm, I'm hoping and praying, and I know f- me, for one, I want to do this always, every week, to reach out to the neighborhood. Uh, I have a pastor friend who is he lives um, base, basically in a rural area now, and he tells me about, you know, how hard it is he's got to go to – house to house and you know they're they're some of them are half a mile away from each other. We have a concentrated neighborhood around here with people all over the place. I mean it's just just a beautiful area where there's just there's just bodies everywhere. There's people everywhere. Um most of them don't know Jesus. Um so we have to we have to look at these people with the eyes of Christ, not not just like um you know, like we we tend in the city sometimes to to have these blinders on. You know, I'm just gonna mind my own business. I'm gonna walk down the street. I'm not gonna to look to the left. I'm not gonna to look to the right. But we need to to kind of have the eyes of Jesus when we when we look at these people. Now, there's there's people behind every door around here. There's people behind. And the, and the wonderful thing is when you get to know some of these people, you say, Wow, these these are just like you and me but you need you need to, you need to have look at people with the eyes of Christ and the um, in the way Jesus loved them we need to love them also. We need to give them the love that Christ gave them, you know, and just invite them in and some people say yes, some people say no. I mean, a couple people said go away, you know. A couple dogs barked, but hey it it is what it is, but but it, it's all part of it, but it, it's something that has to be done. All year round it's not something that you know god didn't put this church here to be a building you can go out two weeks to the year and try to bring people in he put us here to be you know a gravestone stone in the middle of a, a a foreign world that needs jesus and we're we're supposed to go out and do it um dan can't do it james can't do it we have to do it um as the church it's not you know like oh well, pastors will go out and bring people no no you they, they don't have time to go out every day and, and pe- bring people in in fact sometimes we can do it better because they just look at oh what do you do why I work or do you know, whatever oh oh you're just like me okay so yeah but I want to tell you about Jesus you know I want to tell you what he's done for me and what he's done for my life what my testimony is and that's what um, that's what I feel in my heart is what we need to do here I mean I've done it I've done it wrong I've seen evangelism done wrong you know, in a limited, very limited basis, it needs to be ongoing throughout the whole year. If you can do that ongoing throughout the whole year, that's what you need to, to do. That's what we're called to do. You don't look at numbers. You don't say, oh, you know what? I didn't, we didn't get 20, 30 people in. We didn't do it. It's not about that. It's about going out and reaching, you know, so abundantly. And it's sooner or later, you're going to reap abundantly. It's in the Bible. But we have to do it and you have to do it and you know what sometimes it's a little work sometimes it's a little work but we need more people to to take it seriously you know when that email comes out or that um uh text message comes out hey we're going to be at um you know down on walker street you know doing this block or whatever you know if you're home and you you can come over come on over and join us and we can go out and meet some people and get to know the neighbors and. Just do it, and pretty soon, pretty soon, the word is out. You know, Mercy Gate loves people. You know, most people think churches is a cold stone building that people only enter in on Sundays. So we have to, we have to dispel that myth. So let's pray into that together, Father. As we, as we do what you've, you've taught us through Jesus. You've taught us to go out and make disciples. You told us to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. You've told us to uh, you told us to love them. Jesus, you gave us the example. You loved people. It didn't matter who the people were. It didn't matter what they looked like. It didn't matter where they lived. There is nothing that it was any different. It didn't matter if they had a mean scowl on their face or a smile on their face. You loved them. So, Lord, I just pray that we can do that also, that we can love people um, just, just the way they are. Love them the way they are and bring them to you, Lord. Um, Lord, you, you know, we don't, we don't have the ability to convert anyone, Lord. All we can do is bring them to you and the Holy Spirit will do the rest. So help us, Lord. I ask you to empower this church. Holy Spirit, be with us as we do this. And just, um, Lord, just help us to do that. Enlist more people. Bring more people. Lord, you said the, the harvest is ripe, but the workers are few. So I just pray that right now, right here and right now, that we get more workers. And if we do that, Lord, I know that if we sow abundantly, we can reap abundantly for you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right,
0: Uh, if the kids want to be dismissed, they can go ahead. Uh, We're going to do something a little different This morning Uh, with VBS coming up and a crazy week that we had this past week. uh, I said, hey, James, why want to do like a tag team sermon? Um, And so we'll see how this how this thing goes. Uh, But we're actually going to take a break from Revelation. Uh, For some, you kind of maybe need that enough with the beasts and the craziness. Like, can we just have something like simple um, and so I want to turn your attention to uh, Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13, uh, and we're going to be looking at verses 12 through 16. Thanks for serving, man. Uh, before we get rolling, so James, what are you most encouraged about when it comes to Mercygate in this season? By the way, none of this is rehearsed or anything like that. We haven't talked, we haven't texted about it. Even coming in, he's like, should I just like read the text and you kind of take it? No, we're,
3: we'll, we'll try to dialogue. All right, can you guys hear me okay? Uh, to answer Dan's question, what am I most encouraged about? Uh, to be honest, there's a lot to be discouraged about right now. Um, but the conversations that we've had in our discipleship community over the last two months or so, we've been talking about sharing the gospel with people, evangelism, and um, I have hopes to continue that conversation and for our group to be something of a um, a training ground, so to speak, and an encouragement and support group, so that way we're, we're constantly keeping each other accountable when it comes to how active we are in sharing our faith with other people. And so we're just in the beginning stages of that, but we've had some really sweet conversations, just a handful of us, and that has actually led to, um, you know, God's been opening up doors and the connection with City Reach Church uh, kind of came out of nowhere, even though they're just down the road. uh, The way that it came together was really encouraging and definitely brought about by the Lord for us to be able to partner with another church. Um, So really just when it comes to uh, there's something of the hot coals of sharing our faith are are there. Um, so now it's just the process of fanning those into sort of a big flame. So that's what I'm most encouraged about.
0: Good, sweet. I'd, I'd second that. There There's something of a kind of a groundswell. And I think part of it is due to the fact that kind of COVID is given us something of a break and we're back to some sort of normality. We'll see how Things continue to go, Uh, but there's something of a groundswell in terms of the Spirit's activity. I think it's refined the church in ways. Uh, I think the Lord's opening our eyes to what ultimately matters uh, in our spiritual walk um, because we've been away for so long, and we're recognizing, oh, we need we need to be together. We need this fellowship. We need to be in the Word, or our hearts begin to drift. Um, so I, I think with all of that, mission, which we're going to look at here, uh, becomes kind of that, that outworking of hearts that are, okay, we're hungry for the Lord, we've got to get back into his word, but mission becomes the overflow uh, of all of that, uh, seeing others then come to faith and evangelistic opportunities and whatnot. So uh, this next season will be something of an adventure, to say the least. Uh, You want to read the text?
3: All right. Hebrews chapter 13. All right. We're going to start in verse 12. It says, So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. So therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. So do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God.
0: Amen. You guys remember uh, early on, I think this was soon after our core group meetings here, um, we decided to do a little prayer walk. Actually, now that I look through the room, it's like well, wow, uh, there's just a few of you. Anyway, we we decided to do our first prayer walk, and we headed down to Lawton just pray for teachers and kids, and we swung down from Lawton, then down to Torsdale Avenue, and we we're just going to pray for the addicted. And uh, as we turned that corner, you remember the the fire engines and the police cars were there, and they were taking the you know yellow caution tape and uh, pulling it across one of the side streets there, and From a distance, as we were kind of walking up Torsdale, you know, you saw the body bags being taken away. Uh, So we walked up to that situation and um, come to find out that uh, it was a domestic abuse situation, and a boyfriend had stabbed his girlfriend to death, and her child tried to intervene, stabbed that child to death, and then wrapped him in a mattress and set him on fire. Yeah, some of us would remember that. That was one of the first times, I think, uh, in ministry here. You know, we've had a lot of ups and downs, even from the beginning. uh, But that was a particular moment where I just felt like the enemy was baring his teeth at us. You're coming into my neighborhood, right, to share this Jesus with these folks? Yeah, I'll, I'll show you. I'll show you what I'm up to. I'll show you what I can do. Something of his teeth just being shown to us, growling at us, so to speak. Yeah, go ahead, bring, bring a church into Wissanoming. See how that goes for you. <laughs> and since then, to be honest, when it comes to thinking about mission and sharing Christ with others in this neighborhood and serving those in this neighborhood, there's always been kind of a pushback. Um, you know, there's been points in season. So even this past season that we've come through, we've, we've lost a few to drug addiction. That's been hard, right? Um, We've had multiple funerals, hard stuff here. It's just been a. Pastorally, I just, I hate death. I hate it. Um, Because again and again, I just, at times I just, you know, feel the enemy saying, see see what I, I can do, see what destruction I can work. Now, we know, ultimately, Jesus is over that stuff and he redeems it. It's beautiful. But nonetheless, when, when we begin to think about mission, when we begin to think about even these things of canvassing, going door to door, door to door, man, that's not... Uh, don't ask me to do that kind of stuff. That's a little weird. Um, you know, it, there's all kinds of pressures and different distractions. The enemy is at work to kind of curb our activity as a church. Our our faith for mission is tested, again and again. Whether it's you know that first time or now even through the season, this season that we've come through is unprecedented, with COVID and all the fallout that has taken place uh, because of it. Um, We've it's just been a hard go for all churches. Faith for mission has uniquely been tested over this season. Um, And by the way, just as we look at this passage briefly. Uh, faith for mission was being tested in their context as well. Uh, If you go to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32, if I'm remembering correctly, there was persecution, there was trials, there were all kinds of fallout within the church. And so as chapter 13 is being given, it's being given specifically um, to a church that feels like it's being tested. And that's why we have chapter 11, that hall of faith, all these examples. Hey, they, they stood firm through it all. And you look at their lives and you say, wait a second, they, they didn't seem to be so faithful. They had weaknesses and trials and difficulties themselves, but, but they stayed faithful through it all. Their faith for mission uh, stayed faithful. And so now we have this cloud of witnesses, this arena cheering on the church right now through the testings that we're going through, the trials that we're going through. And, and, and then we are called once again, Hebrews 13, to mission. We're called not to just be an end in ourselves as a church, but to move forward. So three particular things that we want to see from this text. And hopefully it'll be a reminder because we covered this actually at the beginning of the year uh, in our our sermon series. Just recapping what we're about as a church. Um, And obviously one of our values is mission. We want to be outward focused. Um, And so as we look at this text, we see three things. It's the basis for mission, like what? what's the thinking, what's the reasoning, what's the foundation, what are we working from, but then it's the activity of mission and finally the experience of it. You got anything to toss in there before we jump into it? All right, so uh, the basis for our faith for mission, all right? When we think about mission, we think about sharing the gospel with others uh, through both proclamation and demonstration, right? We're we're showing love, but we're also proclaiming Christ, uh, the basis for it. Why are we doing this? It all off. So, look at it, verse 12. So, who? Jesus. Jesus. All right. If you're wondering what what is the foundation for mission, why the church needs to look outward and go outward, uh, it begins there. I mean, you could just wrap it up right there. The one word, Jesus, right? He is the reason um, for mission. um, Even throughout Hebrews, uh, the book of Hebrews, Jesus is the main topic. topic. Uh, It begins with, Jesus is the creator of the world, the radiance of the glory of God, the perfect imprint of the nature of God, and he upholds the universe by the power of his word. He's greater than the angels, as the text would go on to say. He's greater than Moses. He's the perfect prophet. He's the living word. He's the true rest for our souls. He's the ultimate priest who can bring us to God. He's the true and once for all sacrifice for sins, and he is therefore the one we look to as the author and finisher of our faith. Jesus is everything when it comes down to it, according to the book of Hebrews right? And now, as the book of Hebrews closes, he's the basis of our mission. It's all about Jesus. That's where we begin. Uh, One of the illustrations, and I'll give it to you, Uh, one of the illustrations is the tuning fork. you Uh, You know, when you go and tune a piano, they used to use the tuning forks, dong, you know, and the piano, would be tuned into the tuning fork right without the tuning fork you, you got all kinds of noise and you won't be on pitch even if you try to do it yourself right but the the tuning fork is what all the keys then are tuned into when it comes to mission when it be when it comes to sharing christ with others it's important that our lives would be tuned into Jesus. He's the tuning fork. He's the basis. He's the one that we align with. Like, you ain't going to do mission. You ain't going to, even as the text unfolds, you're, you're not going to be much of one who uh, goes about the work of mission without a foundation on Christ, right? It begins with Jesus. However, you want to take it.
3: just briefly um by way of testimony um when I was 20 years old I was entirely focused on pursuing a career in baseball and I never ever thought I would be sitting here 12 years after that point I never thought that I would be first of all in the city of Philadelphia let alone in ministry and um actually thought to myself at that time that I would never do that like intentionally. like I would never want to do that. Um, but through a, a series of events that were partially my own foolishness and partially just uh, the context and the environment that I was in, um, I got to a point where I realized that I was um, I had good head knowledge of Jesus, really good head knowledge. I knew a lot about God. I knew a lot about the Bible, uh, but I wasn't actually following him, and I wasn't actually obeying him, and I had even actually resisted being baptized up until that point. I was 20 years old, and I grew up in a Christian family, and I actively decided that I didn't want to be baptized Um, until, you know, this kind of this moment in my life where I finally gave in to Jesus, and I, and I said, I surrender, and I, and I confessed all these things that I had been withholding, and it was at that point, shortly thereafter, I was kind of reeling from the consequences of my own actions, and, uh, had a lot of time to reflect, and that's when the Lord, you know, I didn't know anything about this at the time, but I think it was something of a a prophetic picture of what the rest of my life was going to look like, where, um, I started seeing just these images on Google like of all the brokenness in the city of Philadelphia and and the violence and the poverty and everything that this city suffers from and for the first time in my life I felt the Lord saying this is where I want you to go this is how I want you to serve me and um, that is a mission in and of itself and I never would have gotten to that place Had I not given my life in faith to Jesus in that moment, had I not finally said, "Okay, I'm laying down my desires and I'm going to do what you want me to do. I'm going to obey you. I'm going to follow you. Um, And so kind of the beginning of that journey was me being baptized. And um, from there, it's like the Lord has been calling me into these situations where again and again and again, I can look back in my life and say I would never have done that unless the Lord hadn't called me to do it. And so that's just my own personal testimony of the basis of faith for mission in particular has led me through so many different experiences. And um, at my previous job working at a homeless shelter, you know, one of the things that people always talk about, and this wasn't a Christian environment, um, but they always wanna know what led you to that job. It's just like a thing in social services, like, oh, so what made you wanna do this? And I could never get away from, like, the only explanation for this, the only reason I'm doing this, it doesn't make sense without Jesus. And um, so that's just kind of how, how this has played out in my life. And I would testify again and again that without that basis, there there's no mission. You're, you're not going to go into situations outside the gate, as the text says, and put yourself in positions to be persecuted and rejected and all sorts of hard things happening, unless you are there with Jesus. Yeah. And so even as the text goes on, it talks about Jesus suffering outside the gate. And you can comment some more on this, Dan, but uh, Leviticus chapter 16, is ever since that time in my life when I was 20 years old, for some reason, Leviticus 16 has jumped out to me. It's the description of the Day of Atonement. And um, in that chapter, you have this, uh, this, Religious ceremony where there's two animals. You guys remember this? One of the animals is killed as a sacrifice, and the other animal is sent out into the wilderness to be set free. And both of those animals obviously symbolize Jesus. He was killed to take away our sin, and he was also, um, he took that sin away. Mm -hmm. And in that chapter, the ones who are doing the ministry, the priests, are when they go outside the gate to, to burn the carcass of the sacrificed animal and to set the other one free, they are unclean outside the camp, outside yeah. of where God is present. And so it's through that act of going outside into the wilderness, so to speak. We've talked about this through the Revelation series, that wilderness idea. Um, it is Jesus' act of going there into the uncleanness, to sanctify us, to then call us to do the same. Mm-hmm. And so you can talk yeah. more about that.
0: Yeah, so remember like, um, in a real sense, Jesus went outside the gate. When he was crucified, where did he go? But Mount Golgotha, he went outside the gate. Outside the gate, again, is imagery for this unclean. Everything that's unclean, the leper colonies, corpses, it all go. It, all, it goes outside the gate. And that's also where Jesus gets the uh, descriptions for hell it's it's that place of Gehenna it's where the flame the smoldering flame never dies right and the worm is always at work right so it's 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 the imagery of hell it's that unclean place but here what we find is actually Jesus went to the unclean place he went out he went outside the camp Uh, he went outside the camp to suffer unto death, Um, and he did this for a particular reason. He went outside the camp where things are unclean, that unclean place, to actually sanctify us. To sanctify means to set apart, right? It means to make holy, make right again. And so what Jesus did is he went to the unholy place to sanctify you. That is to make you fit for the holy place. He went outside the gate in order to bring you in the gate. Does that make sense? Right? So he came after us. The whole imagery of him dying outside the gate is him coming out. It's those the atonement picture. He's going out to bring us in. He was made unholy. He went to the unholy place in order to make us fit for God's holy place. It's why Hebrews chapter 4 would say, hey, by the way, in times of trouble... Go boldly now to the throne of grace and find help in time of need. Well, how can, you, how can you go to the throne room, to heaven itself? Well, it's because Christ has brought you in. He's made you fit for glory. He's made you fit for heaven. So he makes us fit for heaven. And by the way, Hebrews 10 kind of covers some of the same stuff, is that as we gather as God's people, we're not just gathering in an earthly setting. We're actually gathering in this clean place, this heavenly place. We're gathering before the throne, right? And so it has this idea. Jesus went outside the gate in order to bring you into God's family, to bring you into the clean place, to actually connect your life in with heaven itself. He went to the unholy place to make you fit for the holy place, right? To make you fit for God, to have a relationship with him. But he doesn't only sanctify us, set us apart to God. He sets us apart to God's purposes, right? Um, In other words, what Christ has done for you, you now in a lesser way get to do it for others, so, as we'll see in the next point, we're actually supposed to go outside the gate. We're supposed to live in this world, not of this world, and be lights within this world, right? As Christ has saved us, now he's calling us, go outside the gate, go to where there is need, and share me with others. And this, folks, is so important. Um, there's there's illustrations that that I'd like to kind of worth it. You think of a garden hose, right? A garden hose connects the water source to whatever needs watering, right? So what Jesus has done, making us fit for God, he's tied us into the the water source, God himself, right? So that we might be a channel of God's presence to the place that needs water. That you may be actually a conduit, a channel of God's own presence to others. What you carry in the divine, if you will, is what others so desperately need. That's why Jesus will say in John 7, like, for anyone who's thirsty, come to me and drink and out of him will flow rivers of living water. Rivers of living water is a reference to God's own presence. You're a channel of God's presence. God sanctifies you to God. He makes you fit for God so that you might be fit for God's purposes. That you might go outside the gate and actually be a channel of God's own presence to those who need to encounter him. So 1 John will say, like, no one's ever seen God. 1 John says that. 1 John 4. No one's ever seen God. But... As the text goes on to say, if God's love has been matured in you, others will be impacted by it. The implication is no one's ever seen God, but as God's love flows through you to others, God is seen. God's presence is made manifest. The one who needs God is demonstrated something of God's presence as you go out. You were connected into the life source, sanctified to God, so you might be sanctified to this mission. You're set apart. You thought, oh, I, th- I thought I thought, my life was supposed to be going this direction. I, I thought my hopes and dreams were the main thing. Nope. <laughs> when you come to Jesus, he overhauls all that stuff. He sanctifies you to God, so now that your life might be A conduit of God's presence to others. Any thoughts? Just amen. All right. One of one of the some of the language um, that we've used to describe this is um, you. You know, like you think of kind of old times where they had all the armor and swords and they'd go at one another. Um, They would wield the sword. In a real sense, that's what. We have to be careful with the language. But that's what you do with God's presence. You get to be the channel. You get to be the vessel through which the power of God is demonstrated. It's wielded to others. You can make a mess of that, and you can mess up the reputation of God, right? You can get in the way of that. You can abuse people with actually truth about God. So you can wield it in all the wrong ways. But what this is saying is that you are a channel. You are called to wield, in some sense, the presence of God. He wants to flow through you. He wants to be made manifest through you for the good of others. And so that requires learning discernment. It requires, like, having conversations with folks who may not know Jesus and learning what it is to uh, do better at not just, like, Dropping gospel bombs on them and think you've done your job, but coming alongside of people and speaking to them and understanding their story so you can rightly speak The story of the gospel that you can rightly make manifest the presence of God to them. You see Jesus has done all of this. In other words, he's made it all possible. This is the foundation. This is the basis of our faith uh, for mission All right, what's the second point?
3: So then uh Building upon that basis, it it compels us to activity, right? You guys know the the book of James says that faith without works is what? Dead. Dead. Jesus did not give his life to save you to do nothing. But he actually says again and again in his own words and then in the words of his apostles who wrote letters in the New Testament after him, that he is calling us into his very mission. The very same thing that he was doing, well, okay, not atonement, but okay. the, the very same activity that he was doing in declaring the kingdom of God is what he calls us into because of that basis of his atonement. And so this is, this is our where we step out in activity. Our faith is not a dead uh, head knowledge about what Jesus did. It is an active obedience to what he has called us to do. Where are we at here? So, um, and again, this is just, I can testify to this again and again in my own life, that when you come to that place of saying, okay, you have called me to do this particular thing I'm going to obey, that he then reveals to you the next step. And that is, it's just this sort of a dance of, um, He calls you to something and you obey, and then he calls you to something else and you obey. And it's sort of this back and forth, this co-laboring together with Jesus that goes far beyond um, just knowing theological um, platitudes and things about God. It's actually relationship and activity, and you're walking out um, what Jesus calls you into. Yeah,
0: Good. So verse 13, look at it there. Because we have that basis now. We have the activity like James is saying. Therefore, let us do what? Okay. Yeah. Go to him. Where is he? He's outside the camp. Right? Now, theologically, we know he's, he's ascended to the right hand of the Father. Right? Jesus is in heaven. But the language here is to say, like, As you go outside, there's activity. You need to go to where Jesus is. In other words, Christ's presence by way of his spirit is going to be experienced as you go. Jesus is still in the unclean place. He's still, if you will, in this place of brokenness. In other words, his his mission is... To redeem and to save the broken is still at work. His power, presence, still active, not inside the camp, but outside the camp. In the broken places. He's like, he's like homie, I'm waiting for you out here. Come on, step out. Come, come knock on some doors. right? Come talk to that co-worker. Who's broke and needs need some truth, right? Jesus, Jesus is there so that when you go there, right, you're going to be not just encountering a broken individual. You're going to be encountering Jesus who can actually make a difference in that broken individual. You see the language, the activity. We got to go, folks. We got to go to where Jesus is and notice as it says, and bear the reproach that he endured. Not everybody's down with Jesus, and you're gonna feel it right. Doors will be slammed in your face, right? You know, everyone's gonna be texting down the block. Here come the Christians, you know, to knock on your door. You know, it's part of the, part of the way it rolls, right? So, there will be reproach in varying degrees. We will be canceled at times, right? We will be pushed away at times. We will be made to look a fool at times. It'll happen. And as we consistently do these things, it'll happen all the more because you, you're going to be known as that fool for Christ, right? You'll feel it. You'll, you'll know it. And here's the point. I think as a church, um, and this is I'm speaking broadly, not just us. I, I think we've always, eh, if, if God, like, orchestrates the conversation, then I'll do it, you know? If, if uh, God just kind of, you know, gives me the open door, then then I'll do it. Um, don't want to create any waves, um, and, and I'm going to be very careful, you know, it's like we spend two years trying to develop relationship, maybe to speak of Jesus somewhere along the line with, with someone I I think we need something of an eternal urgency, right? A a, a mindset like, Jesus is coming back. You don't know when it is. And and you may not have all the time that you think, you know, in your convenience, oh, we'll get around to that. We'll get around to those conversations. We'll get around to those folks. They need to hear Jesus now and i think we can push on that i, I know for some of you, you're like well if we do that then we're going to lose out on opportunities look there's got to be a sense of urgency it's war time. we haven't been going through re- the book of revelation thinking like oh it's all you know butterflies and daisies on this side of glory just chill just take it easy have a good time no there's a pushing a pushing there's an urgency folks need jesus they need him and so we are to go to him outside the gate and yes we will have to bear reproach. We will have to have to follow in the way of his wounds. As he was rejected, we'll be rejected. But let me just throw it up is he not worth it? Is he not worth it? Is your reputation and that being potentially made a fool, you know, is he not simply worth it? Go to him outside the camp. He's there. He's waiting. He, he's eager to empower your witness, in other words. right? He, he's waiting to make you a conduit of his presence. He's calling us to go, to go out to him. Uh, one one uh, side, side note. Amy Carmichael. Uh, I came across this a while ago. Amy Carmichael, missionary to India. Um, She did a lot of writing as as she did missions work. But she has this poem that just struck me. I think the church needs to grapple with it a bit. Um, And the, the poem is No Scar. It says, asking the church, No wound, no scar. Yet as the master shall the servant be. And pierced are the feet that follow me, but thine are whole. Can he have followed far who has no wound nor scar? Following Jesus, following Jesus outside the camp will inevitably bring about scars and wounds. You'll bear the reproach, as the text says. But Amy Carmichael, one who suffered <laughs> in India, giving her life to the work of the Lord, she, she's, she's challenging us. Yeah, this is the way of Christ. It'll hurt at times. There will be reproach to bear. You'll suffer as Christ suffered, but isn't he worthy of it? Thoughts?
3: <clears throat> the sense of urgency that Dan mentioned is something that the Lord has been really convicting me personally about, um, especially uh, some of you guys know one of the families across the street recently moved. And um, that in particular really has struck me, but but several instances besides that, in, in that you have opportunities before you to, not only to love people, but to speak the name of Jesus, to declare the gospel of his kingdom, and um, sort of the whole package, to to minister that in these opportunities. And you never know when those opportunities are going to disappear. And same thing in my neighborhood. I've, I've had several really encouraging conversations with people, and I've shared some of those in testimony before. And then before I know it, I never see that person again. People especially in the city, for whatever reason, are coming and going often. People come and go. They move frequently, and they get locked up. You won't see them for a year or two. You never know. Um, so that sense of urgency, the Lord has really been pressing me with that, and, you know, it's, it's something that I still need to grow in. But there may be opportunities where you only see a person one time, and is it worth it for you to share Jesus with that person in that moment? Yes. And I think, as Dan said, the, the thing that we hesitate most often is that in that one moment, we don't want to become a fool, and so we don't. Yeah. Um, so that, that's just something that the Lord's really impressed on me, that this, this wartime urgency. And again, Jesus did not come just to be an example for us, yet he was an example for us. And um, we have to look at how he did ministry. Mm. We have to look at how he interacted with people in those moments where he only saw the person one time. And before you know it, the whole village is coming to him as the Messiah because of that one interaction with that one woman that he didn't need to be there, but he intentionally went there outside the camp into the unclean situation and you see the revival take place because of that.
0: Oh, man. All right, we're already at 12 o'clock. And uh, part, I'm going to risk it. If you got a role at some point, go for it. Um, part of what he's touching on, um, Jesus sets a model for us. You know that wonderful text that Larry even mentioned, um, the harvest is ripe, pray for laborers. You know what the context of that is? Jesus followers going out to heal, to deliver, and to share the good news of the gospel. I just wanna say it, as a church, I think I've said it quite a bit, but as a church, our ministry Should be praying for the healing of others, dealing with the demonic, it's active, it's real, and sharing the gospel with others. The assignment hasn't changed. We never have seen Jesus say, hey, by the way, do this now, but things are going to change, and so, like, the assignment will change, and so just have a heads up. Never. He sends the 12. He sends the 72. Then you have the 120 who are praying. Spirit falls upon them. Very similar ministry goes from there. For some reason, we've changed the assignment. We've changed it. And I'm not against conversational evangelism or any of those kind of things. But I think... I think we need to first regain what Jesus has assigned to us. Rather than thinking we can do this in our own strength and our own wisdom, if we just have the right apologetics and if we just have the right thinking and if we just have the right words, then everything's going to work out. Let's regain, recapture the original assignment. It's easy, by the way, it's not difficult. But we're always wondering what if I pray and nothing happens? Pray again. Pray again. And if nothing happens, I think God can handle it. Mm-hmm. God can handle it. But guess what you did? You stepped out in faith, you kept to the assignment. Your job isn't to make the assignment actually productive, your job is actually just to walk out the assignment. He's responsible for the fruit. We're responsible for the activity. Does that make sense? we got to get conversation around this stuff. Because even as we went door to door, there's there's particular impressions. And, you know, we prayed for a few folks who had physical ailments, didn't see anything crazy. But I think over time, as we're actually faithful to what God has called us to, we will see God show up in miraculous ways. We will. And that'll... That will not give testimony to us. Oh, that's that church that does healing ministry. No, it will give testimony to him. Jesus is the healer. He hasn't stopped healing. And we also have a theology for endurance. We'll save that for another time. Jesus is the one who heals, but Jesus is the one who gives grace amidst our weaknesses. Right? But I think we need to regain the original assignment when we think about our activity. Then to just kind of make things a little brief as we finish up. Our activity of mission is not only going to Jesus outside the gate, but as verse 15 says, we are to go through him. That's weird. Now, through him, go to him. Now, through him, let us continually offer up the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips that acknowledge his name. Don't neglect to do good and to share what you have. Don't do mission in your own strength, right? This is not a self-sufficient thing. You can't change anyone. You can't heal anyone. You can't convert anyone. You you can't do that stuff. And that's why as we go out, we're saying, God, where where we work, kind of meet us with your grace, like You come through, you do the blessing, you enable us, you give us the strength, you give us the wisdom. We just want to be sensitive to how you want to work in these moments. It's an act of dependence. When we go out canvassing door to door, having conversation, we're saying, God, come and, and, and give us strength. Give us wisdom, give us words, give us direction. we got to go through Jesus, and as the text says, continually offering up that sacrifice of praise. This is an act of worship. Sharing Christ with others is an act of worship, right? We actually, part of our worship is not just what we do here on Sunday mornings. It's what we do out there when we share Christ uh, with others. And not just what we say, but also what we do. Do not neglect to do good and share uh, what you have. It's proclamation and demonstration, right? We're not just going out to... um, we're not just going out to just like be a proclaiming people. If your life isn't following what you're proclaiming by what you're sharing, then you're really undermining what you're saying. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Right? We're, we're there to love. We're there to, to give ourselves away as Christ gave himself away to us. That's that model of ministry, self-sacrifice and self-love. So we're to go to Christ outside the gate, but go through him. As we do it. Any other thoughts? All right. So then third. Ah, this is my favorite. What should be the experience of sharing Christ with others? If the activity is going out to where Jesus is, right? And we're actually going through him. So... So look, he's he's got us before and behind. He's covering the whole activity. He's out there to encounter us. He's, He's at work to flow through us, right? There is something then in the experience of that activity, just like Luke chapter 10 talks about. Man, the disciples went out, they come back, and they're stoked. They are so excited, Why? Because they've encountered something of God in the process. They've come to find his authority actually works. It's at work. People, man, delivered of demons, healed. This is incredible, right? Opportunity then to testify. Our God is not just a a theological point, but he's actually real and active and powerful. But their experience was like, whoa, this is amazing. This is good. There's a joy to be found in the work of mission." That joy, it was a result of what the last verse, verse 16 says, for this is all pleasing to God. Our joy, God's joy. When God is happy with you, you can't help but be happy right back. Right? Now, in one sense, and I've told the illustration, you know, with, uh, with Jabari, I had that little interaction with him where he was in a a grumpy place. And I said, Jabari, I love you, man. I love you. he turns to me and says, no, no. And I said, Jabari, you can say no, but no matter what you say or how you act, I love you. Right? That's the love of the Father towards us. There's a love that never changes. Even when we're disgruntled and saying no, no. Right? But there are times where my heart leaps in love for that child. When he's belting out Jesus loves me, you know, and just like walking through the house, you know, singing that song, there is, a joy, there is a pleasure that I have towards him in those moments, right? And, and when dad's happy, he, he gets to benefit. He benefits from my joy. And in a real way, this is how God... Engages with us there's a love it never changes whether we're faithful or even faithless in the mission He loves us his love isn't going to change no matter how disgruntled we become But there are times when his heart leaps for joy And those are those times where we're faithful to go out And share the good news with others to share Christ with it is pleasing to god and when god is joyful you as a child you can't help but be joyful right back you will sense his pleasure but as we went out even canvassing <laughs> we sensed his pleasure it was just like god's good with this he is happy with this and it makes us happy along the way
3: yeah i think to round out that illustration of, uh, that you just gave. There's so many relational moments where God will teach us about himself. And so just like you you learned something about God's love for his children in that moment, I, I also learned something about God's love from my child um, and how he's like a child. Uh, let me just explain. So how many of you have had these moments where your child says, can you do this with me? And you automatically just roll your eyes and you're like, I don't wanna do that. (laughs) I don't wanna do that. And um, you know, oftentimes as parents, you're, you're tired, you just came home from the day or whatever, and you say, not right now, not right now, maybe later. And you think of all the reasons why you don't wanna do that thing. But when you do that thing that your child is asking you to do the, the amount of joy that comes in their little life when you just simply say yes to that simple thing is incredible. And in those moments, I am, you know, scolded as a parent and I also look to God and say, that's what God is calling us to do. He's calling us to simply say yes. And it sounds so religiously cliche to say it this way, but God is calling you to say yes to him. Yeah. And it's such a, simple thing but such a profound thing and i will testify till the day i die that the most experiential moments of my faith and my relationship with god are those moments where i have felt the lord telling me to do a particular thing and i said yes those are the moments where i've grown and matured spiritually the most my faith has been strengthened the most and there has been fruit that God has brought as a result of me just saying yes. And, and there's subjective particulars in each one of our lives for what that's gonna look like, but there's also big objective things in the Bible that God is calling us to say yes to, right? There's, there's revealed scripture that tells us what the will of God is, and there's also moments in relationship where he will reveal things to you in particular. And so, again, as I said, those moments of saying yes, when, think about those moments you've had in, you know, with other humans, those moments are the experience of our faith. When you say yes to what God is calling you and you just simply obey like a child, remember he says the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like little children. And I think this is in part what he means, that when you hear him call and you You think of all the reasons why you don't want to do it. You don't want to tell this person about Jesus because you're going to look like a fool. They're probably going to get mad. They're not going to accept him. You don't want to pray for this person because they're probably not going to get healed. And then you're going to feel silly. And then they're not going to want to follow Jesus. And then you think of all the things. And meanwhile, Jesus is just saying, come on, just come to me and come through me and just say yes. It's not your job to bring the fruit. It's your job to sow the seed and just say yes. Men All right, so
0: this next week, VBS, a um, lot of stuff happening, but it is an opportunity to do exactly this text. The nice thing is the crowd's coming this way. <laughs> They're coming to us rather than having to go out. Um, if you're not able to make it throughout the week, uh, we just we covet your prayers. Please be praying. Um, But if you can make it even to just be on hand, maybe it's to interact with parents. uh, Maybe it's to help out with registration stuff. Maybe it's to help just lead kind of crews of kids back and forth from station to station. Uh, That would be huge and helpful. Uh, And even if uh, their team covers a lot of aspects, your presence um, is is helpful and it's known. Whether it's just interacting with the team, encouraging them in what they're doing, trying to get to know them a little bit, uh, it, it it it's great helpful work to just stand with them um, as as they do the majority of the work. So uh, we'd invite you out uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. All right, all right. We're gonna pray, sing a final song, and uh, as I as I pray, I specifically uh, want to pray for Dave Trinidad. He's had some health issues uh, this morning. I know Susie as well. to Pray for hers. Uh, they've had to. She's not feeling uh, very well uh, today. So uh, we want to just pray into that. Ask the Lord's sustaining grace through it all. God, we thank you for this time. We pray that we would be uh, a church family that says yes, um, Lord. Where we we're so quick to calculate. Oh, can I do this or am I going to be overextended and. Uh, all, all, all the stuff of life and all the questions of life uh, come up, but Lord, we want to just say yes to you, that we're committed to your mission, to your way of seeing Christ uh, made known. And even right now, God, we pray that your presence would be m- made known to Dave and to Susie. Lord, I pray that there would be uh, healing in their bodies for your namesake, that it would glorify you that um, although they're a little rest today and seeing what's going on, God, I pray that you would intervene in those situations, and even as uh, hospital visits would need to take place, that those hospital visits would actually be um, something of which you are being shared, and you're orchestrating the, the, the situations, and you're bringing the, the right aid and the right help uh, and, and the strength to walk through it. But we ask for your healing touch upon their bodies as well. And so, God, we ask you to work in the ways that you've promised to work. Uh, we we want to honor you in the asking. We want to ask that you would bring uh, healing upon their hearts and lives. And, Lord, even for those for us here, we, we all carry kind of different burdens um, bodily ailments as well as emotional ailments, and so God, we ask that uh, you would do even a work he, even here and now, God. That we wouldn't first run to everything else. You, you give common grace to aid our weaknesses, but God, that we would run to you. That we would say, Oh Lord, would you, would you touch me? Would you? Would you give me something of uh, your healing presence? And so, God, I ask that there would be testimonies that we would have even within our own congregation. I pray uh, as you're bringing to mind for Carol as she's going through chemo. God, I pray that you would grant her something of unique strength uh, through this time. I pray that you would comfort Tyler and Chrissy. But, God, I, I pray. I pray that the chemo would do the work that it needs to do in bringing healing uh, to Carol's body. Um, and God, that you would, you would touch her, that you also, that you would heal her, her body. Um, God, we, we just say we'd, we love her as a dear sister in Christ and ask your sustaining grace upon her. So God, once again, uh, in all that we've done right now, I pray, Lord, that the investment uh, this morning would be that of testimonies. And we want to hear of testimonies, that your name has gone out, uh, folks have heard from you, or maybe, you know, we've borne something of reproach because of it. Uh, But like your word says, that even when your people suffered reproach, they sang hymns. (laughs) They were joyful. Why? Because you were joyful. And so... God, we pray for something of the testimony of even experiencing the joy in the work of the mission. We ask your blessing even on this week for VBS. God, save those kids. Uh, May your gospel, the good news, may it just be clear to them. Uh, May it be something that those seeds go deep within their hearts um, and bring forth fruit in time. So we ask for your work in Jesus' name.
3: Amen. around today. I want to declare that may the God of